So here we are, episode two. I recently had the pleasure of sitting down with two people that I'm really proud to call my friends, AHA, industry head for decades, and legendary Australian skate photographer, David Pang. We spoke about everything from the 70s, 80s, 90s, up to the present day, skateboarding, music, influences, mixtapes, and we did it all over a couple of slices of lemon meringue. So set yourself in because it's a long episode and I will give you a little disclaimer. I was using uh, $25 microphones from eBay at the time. Uh, my voice resonates um, a lot more than anybody else's, so it seems. So there's a little bit of echo. Um, if you can put up with it, I think you will enjoy the content. Hopefully you do. Um, it's a long one, so maybe uh, grab a comfy chair and a cup of tea. Oh, hi, Dave Penang. Uh -huh. Thanks for coming. Um, on what will be episode two of the Soul Loser Show. So, um, yeah. Thank you, first of all. Yep. Canberra. Come all this way, especially to be on the show. I know that's the only reason you're here. 100%. Um, and Allah, you've come all the way from over overseas. O overseas, yeah. You literally travelled over a, um, a body of ocean. Yes. Um, so, yeah, thanks for coming, guys. Thanks for having us. First thing I just wanted to get straight into is um, questions for both of you. How did you guys... Mate, how did you guys become friends and, and tight? Was that a long time ago or um, has it been more recent years that you guys got closer? Or I think probably I've always been aware of Dave through his photography in magazines and uh, just talking to people over the years. But I guess we first really connected in, I think it was 2008. Uh, I was working with Goliath and we uh, and the Point Machine team out here and we traveled down to Canberra on that trip and Dave came out and saw Ed and all the team with a bunch of photos that he'd taken way back in the 90s of uh, when they first toured down here. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then I sort of connected through Goliath, Pete Franklin down at Goliath and there sort of uh, knew Dave fairly well and then... Uh, just more recently, we sort of kept in touch and worked on a few little projects together. And yeah, I think it's when you meet someone that's as passionate about skateboarding and music and other sorts of things, you just keep keep that relationship going, and it's, it's very easy to keep in touch with each other. It, I think it's it's, it's amazing to me that. Skateboarding just brings people together like nothing else I've ever experienced. It, you know, like different backgrounds, different everything. But when you have that, it's just the love for skateboarding um, and loving the activities, not only the activity side of things, because a lot of people consider skateboarding just to be, it's an activity, right? Whether, whether you want to consider it a sport or not. Um, but for me, it was always so much more than that. It was 
like daily life. It, it came into my daily life in so many, and changes the way you look at the world, basically. Like if you're walking up the street, for example, <laughs> and you see a, um, you know, like an interesting bit of concrete. Yes. And, um, and you take a photo of it because yep. it's insanity by idea, but it's, it's for a reason. And I think that, that just passion for it brings people together so easily and people gel so easily um, just on that one common ground that it doesn't matter what, what else you're into, but the likelihood of finding more common ground is, um, is higher, I think, I, you say that, actually. I think it's one of the few things where it's either a great filter or a great anti-filter in that it doesn't matter your political persuasion, the colour of your skin, the music you listen to, what you eat, what lang even what language you speak or can't speak, if if the only thing you've got in common with the other person is skateboarding, you tend to get along with them, or you can you can communicate with them and and integrate with them. Yes, really, any sort of there's, there's that base there where you can sort of appreciate where each other come from, and then you can explore like what skaters Huntington, the same skaters or the same music, but mm -hmm. that tie back to skateboarding is the sort of a, the common denominator i guess yeah yeah absolutely that's that's what makes it so great and i think that's why it has um just it's it's ramping up as more of a, a socially acceptable um lifestyle basically because i see people in just sort of more recent years starting to notice that it is community building that it, there is a support network within skateboarding that you can't get from a lot of other places, you know, mm -hmm. just because having that common ground understanding, and there's so many creatives in, um, definitely in skateboarding that, yeah, it, it often takes, um, a creative person to understand another creative person. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. yeah I think creativity resourcefulness and, and like you mentioned, Damo, most people would just walk by a lump of concrete or some sort of architectural artifact, mm. but skateboarders look at it with a different eye and then, or they, they see something that's even not skatable, but then they'll have the resourcefulness to make it skatable as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. So, um, and that sense of community that we do embrace and, and welcome people we may not know because there's that one common um, interest and similarity. Yeah. Yeah. I think coming from a different different year of skateboarding, back to when there were so few skateboarders, um, I, know, I know for myself growing up that that if you, you spot somebody across the street mm. and if they had a pair of, you know, Vision Streetwear or Airwalk Vicks on, I'd go out of my way. Like across the street to be like, hey man, like do you do you skate? Yeah. It, it was so. Oh, it was, yeah, I haven't seen you. Yeah, you know, I think it was the same when I went to high school. There was probably like two or three kids in the whole school that had a had a pair of vans, and it was sort of like that. Yeah, it, they're your people. Mm. I think yeah, there was that drop off because it definitely did peak, um, and it, you know, that peak, eighty five to eighty nine. I want to say were were 
huge years for skating. Um, there was a lot of touring going on for the first time, I think, in Australia. And you were very much part of that. Um, it's in the right place at the right time. Yeah, yeah. super fortunate. You were. I remember I remember picking up publications, so Skating Life magazine, um, Australian Skateboarder or Skateboarding. Um, Slam. Yeah, Slam. Wheels magazine. Yeah. Speed Wheels. Speed Wheels. That's, that's the one. But so I'd be flicking pages in there, and I, I used to take note of everything in there um I, w- I was captivated by the magazines because i mean videos were so far few and far between that magazines were everything you know at least it had something quarterly or, or, or monthly yeah. um but yeah point being i'd be like oh who took that photo and david pang oh who took that photo david pang and it, it seemed like you were probably the most um published skateboard photographer consistently through that period of time. I think again, I was in the right place at the right time. And I was very fortuitous that um, I was located in Canberra. So mm. um, so some of my um, co-photographers, so Dave Mock and Scott Needham were Sydney based. Yeah. So by natural consequence of that they were aligned with skating life and and speed wheels mm. and um aaron brown um john mills or i think aaron brown he was a little bit after me but yeah. certainly john mills was queensland based so he was more aligned with slam yep. due to that and dave walsh um was uh, melbourne melbourne based and he was also the editor of 540 Magazine. Oh, so, that's right. Five forty. So, so he was um, by association and by by vocation or employment was locked in with Five Forty Magazine, where I had no industry in Canberra, mm. um, and I was a free agent and and could travel um, north and south, east east to west, and um, so that gave me the flexibility of of submitting images to to everybody yeah and um and being canberra based i wasn't aligned to i wasn't in the hardcore um camp i wasn't in the bonza camp i wasn't in the koala camp and um and i spoke spoke to everybody and i was able to to submit photos to everybody but like yourself david i i would um wait um on tender hooks for trans world mainly trans world i was more of a trans world Follower than a thrasher follower, same, same because, because of the quality of the, of of the paper stock and the imagery, not not because of the images themselves, but the way they were reproduced. Mm. Um, but I and even before them with um, skateboarder magazine and um, action now, like I, I would look at James Casmus's photographs. Um, Dave Dash was the editor of um, skateboarder magazine. Then Grant Britton. Um, uh, Todd Swank and yeah. um, Spike Spike Jones and really analyse them and 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 try and try and at least measure up to to what those guys were doing and represent that with Australian photography. Yeah, I think um, I I do find it amazing because you brought up Five Forty magazine as well. So during that that window of time, like the the late 80s nudging into the 90s so there was um 
Speed wheels, skate life, uh, slam starter dip. Yep, slam, slam dip. We slam. Um, skateboard Australia. Skateboard Australia and Fire Forty magazine. That's yeah. five publications in Australia, all operating at the same time for an activity that didn't seem to like the general public weren't into it. Yeah, that's yeah. my message. Yeah, but I mean, the kids that were into it, you know, didn't. I pretty much all those mates. Mm, yeah, you in such as agent, you know, you just sort of went to the surfing section. Yeah, There's always admirable selection at skateboard mags and very true. You, you, you had a few bucks to spare, burning a hole in your pocket, you'd buy one of those mags. Yeah, I can't. I think it. I think it is something about about skateboarding that um may, maybe it, it's one of those activities where. The, the participants get right into the culture and and the process. So so you're either a skateboarder, which was quite a different culture, and I, I think more skateboarders would buy skateboard magazines than kids that play soccer and football would buy soccer and football um, yeah. magazines. Um, and and maybe because skateboarding is always evolving and progressing. There's always something new to be in the in the skateboard magazine. Whereas, man, what you what you've got um, one one fan of Ronaldo kicking a goal or doing a bicycle kick. Yeah. I think the other thing too is because skateboarding at that time in particular was less accessible by my mainstream media. That was really the only place where you could get the information and sort of mm. absorb the culture with yeah. the magazines, whereas football and cricket and, you know, you can watch it on TV. I think it was... You've got, you've got more access. It was so rarely that, that there'd be anything on television to do with skateboarding. And if it was, it'd be like uh, on Simon Townsend's Wonderworld yes. or something like that. And it'd be a two-minute thing. Oh, and I remember that 60 minutes thing and everybody had that on videotape and then there was a there was a wonderful thing that was filmed with all fried skate and everybody had that and they just used to you know these tapes and do it around yeah so i mean actually go open sort of place to watch just this crappy it's sort of funny as well like i sort of relate that to and whether it's something with us as skateboarders but it's not only skateboarding but it's like the music that i was listening to at the time like if i saw um, a video clip of Kiss or Devo, yes, mm. or the the Jam, yes, they'd be like, oh, yeah, look, I've got I've got to get a recording of this, or, yeah, or yeah. I want to play it back again, yes, because like it'll be like, you know, Sherbert and yeah, Aerosmith or, or Air Supply yeah. and those, mm. and it's like, oh my god, yeah, well, that's, I just, that's, 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 that's a TV program on every afternoon, and they play like three or four video clips at five thirty and. Can't remember the name of it, but you'd sit there with your cassette recorder and oh, yeah. waiting. Yeah. Then you record it. I used to do that with Triple J. Yeah, yeah. To sit there at at night because I I slept. I hardly slept. Like as a as a teenager, I was always up drawing or like looking at magazines, like skate mags, going through the mags. So I'd have the radio on next to me. Um, Play, record, and pause. There, so if something came on, I'd just be like on the on the pause button, so it'd record it, and then wait for the next one. Be like, no. So I had I had like a huge music library that was made up of of just radio. 
yeah. um, of everything played on the radio. And I think the same thing went for, for skateboard videos because if you had a friend with a VCR and you had a VCR, you could put them together and, you know, like, if one person's got a tape, then everybody's got that yes. tape in the neighbourhood, you know? Yeah. Well, they go, it's, it's like, it's sort of funny, but we talk of, talk about this and whether some of the younger people, if they listen to this today, they wouldn't know the pain of, like, you set up your your cassette tape to listen, to record music and you put the, if, if you're recording over a legit tape, so you put the tape over the, oh, yeah. how I was, yes. And you go to record, and the and the bit of the tape recorder goes through the sticky tape, oh, so you yeah. miss the recording. You say, yeah. "Oh my god!" Yes, yeah. and not you know, not saying like we're we're old hacks, but kids nowadays just wouldn't wouldn't appreciate the pain. Yes, yes. Um, or if you like listening, I go, "Yeah, I know." Like um, but the Clash are in the like top twenty, so I listen to the top forty, and I'm quite recorded. And if a DJ talks over the last part of the song, yes. or oh. the beginning of it, you're going, oh, fuck. Or, or, you've, just, or ruined, you've just ruined my recording. Or it fades in and fades yeah. out, yeah. like too early or too late, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, like oh, I've got from, oh, yeah, I've got the Clash, but I'm, now I've got Bob Seger just just playing yeah. over the the back from the yeah. 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 mm. Um uh, as far as because you do zines yes. today. Yes. So what I was gonna say is that with with that period of like that where there were a lot of publications in Australia yep. that late 80s period, and then I definitely noticed that around nineteen ninety yep. heaps of people started doing zines. Yeah, that's around when I started. And that was that it seemed to coincide with the death of the skateboard magazine within Australia. I think the the yeah, end that survived was slammed. I think the way that all came about was, you know, uh, sort of sort of eighty five through to eighty eight was when you're some discovering and learning all about skateboarding. And yeah. uh you know, we used to get thrash and trans world and they'd have zine articles in there, you know, you'd see swank zine and all this sort of stuff. Wow. This is kind of really cool but it took a little bit of time before people actually had the confidence to put a little zine together because when you ask like anything when you put it out there there's you're worried about how it's going to be received and if there's going to be criticism and mm. you know once you print something it's in print and that's yeah you put it, you're putting it out there, yeah. <laughs> yeah um but yeah i think around that 1990 period um like you know a few of the magazines dried up and disappeared and that sort of thing and like i said that sort of crew that grew up with the Trash and Transworld and, you know, even some of the Australian magazines used to do little zine articles, to, you know, they sort of, yeah. you know. And I think as you get older, you probably get a job and you've got access to a photocopier at work that you can sort of sneak in and use when it's yeah. around and, you know, run off a bunch of copies of zines. I, I did one myself and it was in 1990. Yes. Um, and we did it out of... Uh, a friend of mine, Craig Ball. Yep. Um, we did, what did we call it? Um, asphalt abrasions. Yes. And we did it out of South Sydney Year Services. Right. And we printed everything on their copy machine. Right, it is. And Shane, who was like head of um, South Sydney Year Services, uh, Shane Brown. Yep. Um, great guy. Yep. He was like, yeah, you can do a zine. Yep. 
But then two weeks later, where's all the toner gone? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because we we were like, well, we don't. Nobody's given us a restriction on how many we could print, so let's go for our lives. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think in Canberra, like the the guys in Canberra, I I didn't do zines myself back then, and I was I think in the Canberra area, it was maybe maybe the late eighties, Blake did late late eighties, but I think. The benefit that a lot of the Canberra skaters had is their parents worked in the public service. Yeah. So yes. there was like an endless supply of paper and yes. photocopiers yeah. and what have you, textiles. And um, yeah. and maybe maybe I was I'm a little bit naive in, in that area, but I it's only now when when I'm reading things on the internet and and reading some of the books that have been published, but I I didn't pick up with the build-up of world industries, how much friction there was between um, PAL and um, oh, world God. industries and a lot of those other sorts of things. But uh, some of the slightly younger guys, so um, Ed Corman and, and Mick, Mick Donovan and those guys certainly understood or picked up the vibes on skate humour and the infighting. So... Uh, but I would supply photographs to to a lot of the guys that were doing zines, so I, I got visibility of what they were producing. But Mick Donovan, um, who's a super talented skateboarder, great announcer and DJ, mm. and a pretty good um, writer as well, and hilarious human being. Yeah, yeah, yes. super funny guy. Um, but he bought out a zine called Flower Hedge. So, so it was a play on the American magazine, Power, Power Edge oh, yeah. magazine, yeah. and that's a, another photographer that I really looked up to, or skater photographer, business person with Sinel Jira, mm -hmm. and he was the primary photo photographer for Power Edge magazine, that's right. and his imagery was just on another another level, yeah. like with Grant Britton, um, Todd Swank, and. Um, and Spike Jones, um, but yeah, yeah. So I, I feel that when because they were slightly younger, McDonovan and and Stixy and those guys, but they they understood immediately the humour and and that whole skate culture of taking the piss out of each other and would sort of play on Power Edge and Flower Edge and yeah, yeah. and it's sort of, uh, something that's been lost in. Recent yeah, and there's a few other things where, where they would get ads for just mainstream products out of Women's Weekly or what have you and then change, change some of the, the letters and corrupt them and, and make them the titles for different parts of, yes. of their Z. So oh, super creative people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, going back to what it's kind of like skateboarding and I think, we, yeah, the, the two going hand in hand, the, the creative side and wanting to, you know, like corrupt your environment um, mm. to, to just make it more suitable to how you're looking at the world um, and the DIY scene. And I, I remember I wanted to go to, the first time I really wanted to go to Canberra, I don't know if they were your shots, but I think it was in Skating Life, um, there was a feature... And it was mostly the the ditches in Canberra. Yes, yeah, uh, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yes. I remember there was an article. Yeah, so it was the CH, DHA Banks, 
Ages yeah. dried. So I think that was. I mean, I think Blake, I think Blake of, was in every photo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, I mean, if we don't mention that um, later on, but I, I think it can't be underestimated the influence that John Fox had on Australian skaters. Absolutely, yeah. For the eighties in into the two thousands, mm. so skating life certainly sent set the benchmark for skate magazines, the quality of the publication, the articles, that he he was able to look at what worked in American magazines, so um, like Transworld, so they have like um, Nurse Slam and, and things, yeah. and scar- um, Transworld had scarfing material, and I think I think Fox did something else to do with, with dietary stuff within skating life. Right. But then... And then I'm not sure if people are aware, but he also had um, a talk show on Triple J. Yes, so, I remember so that he would yeah. ring in, and yep. so he was really bringing skating into mainstream culture. And then, while skate, well, maybe as skating life was starting to um, wind back a little bit, just because of the economics, then he he somehow got skating into the big day outs and what have you. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sort of I'm I'm sort of sad that we don't see as much of Fox now as we used to, and he was certainly the mainstay for um, for maintaining Bondi Bowl, and the weather was getting Absolutely. Bondi Bowlerama up and going, and and that really, I think that put Australian skating and vert skating in the world stage because other than Protect Pool Party, Bondi Bowlerama was the only other major skating. If it Verdon stating a bit every year, so I mean, well, he's known so. Um, Tony Hawk even recognizes him as like a, a key person within skateboarding. Um, he, yeah, worldwide, yeah, yeah, absolutely. All those guys from back then, because he couldn't help if you came to Australia at some stage, you would deal with Fox because of skating, yeah, time, yeah, like we want to do an interview, and, and, we want yeah, to do and big, big stage that days out and. And when the big day came out, like Birds resurrected, and he got Tony Hawk and um, th- those other guys, um, Sandra Stios and what had been standing was Fox that that pulled all that together. Yes. And before yeah. I forget, so Fox, PED, Park Element Design. Yeah. And if if anyone gets a chance to look at the Fox icon now, whether whether Fox came up with his Fox iconography or whether the battle rat rat came out first yeah right. but they're they're so similar right yeah um, <laughs> but but again that i mean that fox did punk element design man in the late 70s early yes. 80s yes. yeah i've talked um so i mean that yeah. was that was around the time even like dts dogtown skates yeah and, yeah um so pd and and just that iconography that yes, coming up with a really simple graphic that can be repeated, yep, and and, and is recognisable as being yeah. oh man, that's a no, a, a, a skate yeah logo. I think a lot of what um, Fox did within skateboarding was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, like as you said, uh, while it was on the decline financially speaking, mm. and less people were probably skating than ever, 
somehow he managed to convince the promoters of Big Day Out yeah. that having skateboarding there was a good idea. And this is, I want to make it clear that this wasn't the most recent Big Day Out. Mm. Yeah, this, this is, is the yeah, 92. 92, yeah, yeah, yeah. 92, yeah. So I, yeah. I went to the first Big Day Out, so um, I moved away from Canberra mid-92, so I... Um, and again, thanks to Fox. Um, and I, I, actually, I must say, like, if I don't mention it later on, John Fox and Tony Allen, um, Matt Davis and Danny Van are the four key individuals that that helped me kickstart my skate skate photo journey. Yeah. Um, so Tony Allen happened to come up to Curl Park one one summer um, or even one weekend and I happened to be there and I'd been taking photographs. So Matt Davis, I skated with in Canberra and then after school, he moved to Sydney and um, worked at uh, Chatsgood Cycles with Daddy Van. And then I joined the Air Force after um, school and uh, joined the Air Force to be a photographer. So I did photography, got posted to out West Sydney and knew Matt Davis was in in Sydney, so I went and visited him at Chatswood Cycles, met Matt um, working there and, and Danny Van, and Curl Park had just been built. Oh, the bird ramp. Yeah, the bird ramp. Yeah. Yeah. So that was basically every skater in the Sydney area would go to Curl Park. It was the only place you, right. you could skate. Mm. Mm. Five Dog Curl Park and Alloa, but nobody used to go to Alloa. Well, I went to Alloa. That that was that was my jam because I right. like that. Yeah, yes. So, he used to go. There was one also down at Gavin's Park, which was down. Yeah, I must admit, so that one. And maybe another unsung hero too. But when we talk about like John, how how significant John Fox was in skating in Australia is Tim Dor. Yeah. So Tim Dor, who designed Manly Skate City, which was before before I was was enabled to to travel, so I was stuck in stuck in Canberra. There's no way I could get to Sydney. But then Tim Dor designed and helped build Curl Park and obviously um, Aussie skateboards and cockroach wheels as well. Yeah. So um, I think Tim Dor's another name that doesn't get mentioned very much with the Australian skate. There's a, there's a really good, um, I think it might even be the, the Aussie skates uh, website, which yep. got some great archival uh, photos on that. Been for a long time. And yes. Very great, and great breed. Yeah, I get it some step. Yes. Um, yeah, highly recommend. Like the pages on there are awesome. The, just the archival photography from places like Manly Skate City, um, People Pools. North Ride Skate. North Ride, yeah. yeah. Um, amazing. I love looking at stuff like that. Yeah. That's that's why I like um, your photography so much because it did. it just takes me... Every time I see one of your photos... Um, yeah. It takes me back to then, uh, because I guarantee you, every spot. If a when it came down to street and seeing photos of Blake, Blake Combi um, skating a street spot, I wanted to go skate that spot in Canberra. So every time, go hunt it out. And so every street spot that you took a photo of, I skated. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Blake. Both both of the combis, Byron and Blake, are just amazing skateboarders. Mm. But I 
Um, obviously, took a lot of photographs of, of both of them, but a lot of photos of Blake. And the only other person that I, I've had the same photographer skater relationship with is um, my really good mate Billy Harrison. But with both of them, somehow we've got this sixth sense, and we'll go to go to a spot and, and start skating and take photographs. And I'm taking photographs. I'm pretty hopeless at skating, but I would just like I think I'd visualise. Oh, how would what would Grant Britton or or uh, Spike Jones? How would they be photographing, or what trick trick would would be significant enough? And I'll just say to Blake, "Oh, do you reckon he could do such and such?" Mm. And he'll just bloody do it, like. Yeah. And I've got no idea. Like I, there's no way I could do the tricks on that terrain. Yes. But he would just. You'll just nail it within about three goes. Yeah, but it's got to make it easier, just right? Amazing. Yeah, and and Billy Harrison's the same. Or, or Billy would go, oh, I want to do a, I want to do a something so short fat hip, or want to do a big staley here. It's like, okay, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll damn well photograph it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just a skate fan. I I just want to record it. And just want to see. The yeah, and what are the points? But yeah, hundred percent. Did you back then? Did you sort of? Tee up with those guys beforehand and go, well, what are you up to today? I want to shoot a photo. That's what I find amazing is I, and I really like catching up with people that I travelled around with or did photos with, um, etc. Because, yeah, maybe I'm slightly simple, but I sort of forget a lot of what happens at the time. And when I catch up with people, we're looking at photographs and they go, oh, yeah, I remember you like... It was really cool. Like you let me and my sister come along in in the car when, when the PAL team were in Canberra and what have you, and we did this, that, and the next thing. It was like, oh, did I? <laughs> I can't remember that. And I think I think part of it is I'm so focused on following where they're going and thinking about where they're going and how I'm going to photograph this that I forget who's in the car with me. Yeah. But also, if I'm going on a skate adventure. Or there's an opportunity like the Powell team or um, when Tony Magnuson came to Australia a couple of times, I got along really well with, with T-Mag and it'll be like, oh, I've got a car and it's all got, it's got myself and my camera gear. I've got a couple of free seats. I want to share the love with other people. So yeah. if there's some other skaters there that don't have wheels or their parents can't drive them around, yeah. man, I've got a few spare seats. Come and jump in with me because it's it's going for the ride and, and sharing that experience yeah, and that often afterwards you can talk about it and just like just reliving it in in discussions. Yeah, yeah. it just blows you away. But then I sort of get so focused on the photography and and then the great thing with or the the great thing and the terrible thing with old school photography is it costs you money to take the images. Absolutely. So each one of the films like. Ten fifteen dollars. Yep. Then you've got to pay the equivalent again to get it processed. Mm. And unfortunately, there's been situations where some. And obviously, I only send my my better photos to the magazines. But I'm sending the one copy of that thirty five mil slide. Putting on so the trust out there. And yeah. sometimes some of those images haven't come back. Um, and going on a side tangent, so. Um, one example of that was um, I had a get-together with my siblings a little while ago, siblings and um, extended family um, uh, near Wollongong, and my niece just happened to 
or they know me as um, Uncle Skateboard. And so um, even even though they're, they're adults now, so she decided to, leading up to the reunion, to search on the internet, um, David Payne skateboarding, and she came across a blog by a Japanese skateboarder. And, and so the skateboarder published it in 2010. Wow. But I sent, sent him... A package with slides in nine in nineteen ninety. Wow. Anyway, so he wrote this blog and goes, Oh, I was um going through some paperwork the other day and came across these. Um Australian skateboarder friend photographer um sent these to me in, in the nineteen nineties and I've just unearthed them so I've scanned up a few and he posted them on his blog site and so I happened to get hold of his um, contact tag and I contact him. So, oh, look, you know, I'm Dave Pang. I'm stoked, like, stoked to see these photographs. Um, if you've still got the originals, it'd be great to get copies of them back and what have you. Anyway, so he contacted me. He goes, oh, yeah, um, I'm, um, yeah, I'm um, Akiko, I think his name is. But you used to know me as Lester and I grew up in Canberra and you used to take photographs of me and I reached out to you and you sent me the photographs. So he sent me all the all the slides, all the prints, and a form letter with a list of all the photographs and etc. Oh, so, cool. so I'm going to copy them up and and put them in this little project that I'm, I'm running on. But it's just had you forgotten about? It took only forgot. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it was just like, yeah, it's amazing. Like, so I've got this photo of Jeff Hartzell skating um, Curl Park and a few other heads and oh, just wow. some great. Photographs, but it's just going back in this archive of, yep. you know, Dave Pang imagery and the list of photographs and who's doing what. It's 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 fantastic. How how many what so, what percentage do you think of what you thought you went? That's a great shot. I'm gonna submit it um, to whoever. Yeah, whoever. Yeah. Yeah. So what what percentage do you think got got printed at that stage or was it just kind of like a walk in the park kind of situation so I, I would say in in the 80s and 90s I would say maybe 20% got used mm-hmm. and I would have I would have got 95% of what I submitted back from the the publishers yeah and so there's 5% which which where are they, where are they? and yeah. and sometimes I flick through the magazines and just go oh my god though. but I wish I had that what's what's the one the one that's gone the one shot I, I know the one shot I know that I'm missing and it, it's no fault of anybody's is a frontside boneless of John Tex Gibson um, from Texas uh, skating for Alva at the time doing a, a frontside boneless uh, on the Torquay. Wow. Ramp, so the first ramp ride. Yep, and and I, and Fox used it in the Skating Life poster book, so oh, right. it's a full page, awesome. So at least I've got that image, but um, but again, that was a revelation seeing Alan Losey skate the year or two before, and then seeing Bill Danforth, Craig Johnson, and Tex Gibson, and Lee Ralph, and even Gregor Rankin. Um, Andrew Morrison, 
those guys skating at that first Torquay Rare Bright was just a revelation. But I, I'd seen photographs of Tex Gibson skating in the magazines and skating a caster deck, mm -hmm. and it was just like, man, I, I know he's going to do layback airs, yep. and I know he's going to do a frontside boneless, yep. mm. and I, I've got to make sure I'm in the right place. Right. And yeah, he, I got this frontside boneless of his, and it just, yeah, it was just like gold. How many photographers were at something like that? Like now at an event? Well, maybe not an event like Bolarama because it was very limited yeah, on the platforms. Um, but it seemed to me back then it was kind of like if you had a camera in your hand, you could get up there. But how many genuine photographers do you think were on the decks at the scene? Those again, man, I was I was in the right place at the right time and. Um, and fortuitously, the only thing, the only thing that I was passionate about, well, the only two things, three things I was passionate about was skateboarding, um, music, what was there's something else, but then the only things I was passionate about. Your wife? Sorry? <laughs> Your wife? Oh, well, which I have my wife then, but, but certainly that are the only things that I was, I was passionate, passionate about and. Um, so I excelled in, and I was fortunate enough to go to a school that taught photography. Mm. So, and I did it extremely well in photography and that was about the only thing I did well in. So that's what I was going to do as a career. Mm -hmm. And so I had access to really good photographic equipment. Um, and because I skateboarded and was taking photographs and I was certainly a much better photographer than I will ever be a skateboarder, but at least I knew what skateboarding was about it was passionate about it so i would um again like yourself dave i would look at the magazine so that photo of tex gibson doing a frontside bonus and go okay yeah he's like the, i knew how frontside bonus was going to work and knew what what trick he was going or what maneuver he was going to do prior to doing a frontside bonus mm. or a layback air or, or what have you or, or even danforth i know danforth is going to do a pogo like 100 yeah yeah so you, and I, I would, I would sort of, um, I would find people. Bayma Hassan, a lot of the skaters, you can, you sort of knew what, how their runs were going to go, whereas someone like um, um, Grayson Fletcher, mm. um, some of those other, oh Neil Blender, you've got no idea, right? Oh, the guns. Oh yeah, yeah. You, they're just making it. Yeah, yeah. They, they just, and you've just like, I, I've just got no idea. When you're shooting film, each shot is worth a couple of, yeah. almost a couple of dollars. It's like, yeah. oh, do, do I, do I just rattle off a couple of frames? Whereas now we, and I'm still doing that with digital. It's like, even though digital doesn't cost me anything, I'm still really quite conservative when I shoot. I've got to try and train yeah. myself into, man, the film, the images are costing me nothing. And if I miss, Something and especially with Grayson Fletcher, mm. it's like, oh, dude, I've just missed this killer shot. You know, who cares if I just get a, a 50 50 or a kick turn, but I might get some gold there. Yeah. Um, and Current Capels is another skater that you just don't know what he's going to do next. Yeah. 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 I especially think with, with Don's just even, um, even with his video parts. You can just like in video days, it just looks it. Nothing is planned, so 
I can't imagine that from, you know, like from your perspective going, well, this is costing money and what's he going to do and actually trying to set up. So you're in the right, right spot and you're not taking an ass shot. Like you're trying to get his, like, yeah, that must've yeah. been unreal. Who, who, who do you think was your favorite person to work with as far as, um, back in those days go like, um, I know you, yeah. you touched on Blake. But did you have someone that was just like, I can't take a bad shot of this person or? Well, certainly Australian, mm. Blake, Blake Convey, 100%. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think anyone can take a photo of Blake and it not look elegant and, and bio, but so easy. And then if, if you are a skater, you then look at what he's doing and just go, Holy shit! That is like the most difficult trick in the most difficult terrain. Yeah. Um, the other, and, and I'd certainly say it outright. I'm I'm a skate fan, and I I still get fanned out by being able to photograph, getting close and personal to visiting pros. Um, and the the two, no, the the three. But I'll keep keep on going. But the three people that I don't think I've ever taken bad photos of and they, they always look fantastic is Jason Jesse, Christian Hasoy and Steve Cap. Um yeah. and I I still can't believe how fluidly smooth both Hasoy and Cab are. Like they yeah. they're just like liquid silver when they skate, just just so flowy. Yeah. Um the other two people, the two most difficult people, um, as in back in the day, was Neil Blender and Jeff Phillips. Yeah, I think Jeff Phillips is another skater that you've got no idea what he's going to do. Yeah, next, and I, I didn't, I didn't get to photo. I only photographed him once, and that's one of the, the real anomalies. Is the tour that happened in the um, mid seventies with Rob Broscott, Jeff Phillips, Steve Stedham. Um, Tony Hawk. I've got no idea where I was when that tour happened because I, I didn't, I didn't photograph it. So there's mm. that tour and the tour where Chris Miller and Christian Hasoy are skating on the ramp near the Opera House. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I've got no idea. Was sort of one of the first big demos that I went. So those yeah. I don't know events just 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 before your your era. I, I can't remember the the what order it was in, but I remember that that Opera House demo. Yes, and the Low C demo were within yeah. a year. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the way my memories. Bones Brigade one with Christian Hosselier as well in Martin Place. So that was probably two three years after the Low C one. I didn't go. To the yes, I went to the, the Lucy one. one was amazing. Everybody yeah. said that's the game changer. Yeah, Stroman's airport. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, uh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, Incredible. people people may, I'm not sure what, what people's thoughts are on, on Hardcore and the Hill Brothers, but what, what they did for, again, what they did for skateboarding in Australia is can't, can't be underestimated. No, it's um, under, with, undeniable. Absolutely. Um, and, um, and I, th I think credit to them that that like that they started Globe and Globe's still going. I think it's great that 
that there is that Australian product in competition in the world world market. But it's not just an Australian product now. It is a global product. Mm. Uh, yeah, but it's sort of like flying the Aussie flag, yeah. like it's it's yeah. sort of you know competing competing with the other big names yeah. around the world. But um, yeah, Britain. Yeah, when when Losi came out, and I I find it really interesting that that was before the magazines came out. And and you sort of asked me, Dave, like when? How did we tee up doing the photography? Did we talk about it beforehand? But it still got me beat how ourselves as skateboarders, without mobile phones and even um, landlines, everyone, most people have a landline phone. But I mean, even keeping track of everyone's phone number. But how you worked out? Oh, we're going to meet it. Um, such and such a skate area at such and such a time on whatever day. Yeah. Yeah. How we did that, and I mean, yeah. the well, number of the funny remember how it happened. The number of times that nowadays you you get blown you know blown away by people not turning up. Yeah. Yeah. Quite a funny story, but I was talking to Adrian Jones about it, and you know there was a little crew that worked at Skateboard World in Burwood, and they basically had like a uh, court for and people would post up photos, and and that is basically your social media. That was like Facebook back in the day. It's like a community yeah. notice yeah. board. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sounds yeah. How everybody sort of worked out where yeah. I'm going to be in what spots. Yeah. So just yeah, a couple of years after that Losi demo, so so there was obviously Curl Park, and then a couple of years later Monavale was built, but you also had. Um, and I, maybe I've got the timing slightly wrong, but then you had Andrew Hulley's ramp in his backyard mm. um, in Rydalmere, I think it was, or somewhere. Yeah. But um, Mitch Newell's ramp in Mitch's backyard. Dave Clancy had a ramp at his backyard. Yep. Now, how how we knew what we were going to be skating on, on any day of the weekend, I've got no idea, but everyone seemed to turn up to the right place at the right time yeah. on the right day. Yeah. And you'd have these like killer killer sessions. Well, for me it was easy because I, I was always way more into street skating than I was into vert. It just seemed more accessible to me yeah, anyway. Right. So for me it was really easy. My friend lived like a, a block over from me, so I'd just go to his house. And either he was there or he wasn't, if he wasn't there, I guess I'm skating by myself that day. Um, or if it was Sunday, I'd just go to Martin Place. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Just catch the train to Martin Place, the old pit there, and there'd be, you know, probably a dozen uh, people throughout the day that you could hook up with and go off to another spot. Sure. And so that was that was kind of like understood to be the meeting spot if you were going to go skate the city that yeah. day. So it was really easy for me sort of um, teeing that up. And then I think maybe I'd call someone if there was something um, something bigger on, you know, like a demo or something like that. We're yeah. trying to organize yeah. who's yeah. going to drive. And, yeah. yeah. Catch, catch the field. Yeah, Can Can yeah. Canberra was, I think Canberra was fairly straightforward because Widen Skate Park, which was mm. um, Widen Skate Park after the commercial park closed. And um, Fred um, from Surf Scene in Canberra built a vert ramp on, on the concrete um, area where the quarter pipe used to be. 
Okay. And then the the, the bowl was still there. The bowl was yeah. like really chunky and, and gnarly, but sort of skatable. And then eventually a mini ramp was built. I scared of that mini ramp. Oh, behind behind the vert ramp, and then it was moved into the yeah. club room before the skaters totally annihilated. When I skated, the club it was room. it was undercover in that. Yeah, room. yeah. Would, would you believe they the skaters pulled that whole club room down like it? They pulled it apart. And it's just like so you had an undercover skate facility, and. It was just more fun to throw. Yeah, it was more fun to, to pull pull the damn place yeah, apart. Yeah. But so I think we would all meet at Woden, and there was a couple of us. So I was a bit older than than Blake and Byron, and there was a, a couple of other guys that had licenses and 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 wheels. So you'd meet meet at Woden, skate there for a while, and go, oh, let's go. And Arundel was built there, and, yeah. and DHA Banks was the only there. time I saw that work. Canberra, Canberra half bike. He went to Canberra on skate. Shoot, there's this three core of us from uh, my area, and then uh, it was pouring all weekend. So we went out to Woden, and we're like, I can't skate here, but you know, we ended up going to Arendelle and skating that in the rain. And <laughs> Maybe we were there at the same time because I did a trip and I was, I think I was 15, um, and so it would have been 1990. Um, and the, the mini ramp was. Undercover uh, in, at Woden, I think it had holes in half of it or something like that. So it was like it was hard to skate anyway. But I, maybe I'm getting mixed up from head injuries. But I'm pretty sure that Belco, the the first Belco, yeah, yeah, Be- Belco just opened. Yeah, like it was maybe it was even that was the or reason we half, half built. Yeah. 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 So we went Belco wasn't built, so instead just So yeah, but Belco Belco was started early like maybe late eighty nine, but certainly nineteen ninety into nineteen ninety one wanted. Yeah. Yeah. I re- I remember rocking up there and <clears throat> we parked in front of remember the Pizza Hut that was there? Um at, at, yeah. at one at at uh, Belco, wow! So there was a pizza. Yes, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, we rocked up there, and I think so. Oh, no, Ollie on skate shop would have been there. Yeah, in, in that car park as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we rocked up there, and I was like, I'd never seen anything like it. Like yeah. seeing seeing Belco on it, and it was, and it had everything. That was the thing. It had that donut bowl, and the crater ramp that had the bowl yeah. still there. Yeah. The the little snake run down to the crater, the the kicker next to the quarter pillar that you could transfer. It had the first flat bar I'd ever seen, um, which was that like double coping yep, yep, coming yep. up from the ground, and then it had a mini ramp. Yeah. And I was like, oh, look, oh, I I'm hopeful that the camera starts starts to move with the times and and has. It starts building skate parks that are on par, if not leading, leading Australia again. Oh, because back back there, through, through the nineties, Scanaman is yeah yeah. What even ever done? Like who? Yeah. What what other council? Yes, in Australia. Yep. Would build a facility that's not a skate park but skateable. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. So that's why it's time. Yeah. Yes. Um, 
There was a couple of squats in Sydney, like the Manly Corso. Yes. Was one of them, but they did everything to try and stop. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the same same kind of things. Yeah. Um, and then the craters at King's Cross, yeah, yeah. like yeah. three fountains. Man, there was a place at North Ride that was just near where the old skate park was, and it was a factory that had all these beautiful transition brick banks. Oh, wow. That'd be long gone now. Oh, yeah. No, but I definitely remember, <clears throat> for me, and again, going back to the magazines, I'd see Canberra as... The, the mecca of Australian skateboarding, it just seemed to have, from the photos that were in there, and of course, camera, photo, do the packs, and I'd be like, what, this, it's a tiny little space. Yes, it's yeah, got yeah. the best skate park I've ever seen. It's got like bank spots, like little transition spots, like Arendelle, it's got ditches. And it seemed to me, like from looking at that, it's like this drainage, Ditches, like, it seemed like they were everywhere. Like, that's how the guys got around town. Yeah, you know? it's, sort of a, it's sort of a game. Like, I, I, I could really, really relate when, um, if, it, if people have got the chance to read Sean Cliver's book, Disposable. Yeah. And he talks about living in, you know, back backwater hick town in America somewhere and it, being into skating. And a lot like our experiences, like being a bit of an outcast and listening to non standard music mm. and then he puts in an application for the um do you want to be work for a skateboard company and be an artist and what have you so he, he submits the thing and he gets the phone call oh you know we're going to fly you out to to um santa barbara and, and have an interview for for an artist and he has this visualization like oh fuck, you know i'm going to hang out with the, the bones brigade and hit all these different spots and everything and yeah Sort of not realising that the magazines cover this bloody hectares and hectares of of space, and he's sort of thinking from his you know small backwater country town that it's all within within a a, a walk of each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was I remember the and I'm going to California on a skate trip. Was, yeah, and you just and think, well, I'm waiting till we got this place, and like, oh, this this ramp. It's just like this half pipe, and I knew the half pipe because Jim Gray had an ad, had a refrigerator doing a fakey up, and yeah. then like this thing's out in the middle of no, it's like in the middle of some canyon somewhere, and I'm like, yeah, it's just it's not settled to anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's kind of like that's what happens. I think Blake like, will be stoked to hear Blake and the other Canberra skaters that they're skating, and and. Being myself, being fortuitous to take the images, made Canberra a go-to spot. Absolutely, because and and really, a lot of that's credit to to the skaters, and that's what I always say is like I, I I'm thrilled and I'm stoked that um that people like my photography. But if if the guy, or, and I shouldn't say just the guys, um, because there's some ripping skaters of all genders and and persuasions, but if if people aren't skating to such a high standard, then I can't I can't photograph it. Yeah. Um, and I'm just I'm just consider myself so lucky that I'm I'm able to photograph them. But I I both look at I want to document it, but I also want to make it as spectacular as as possible. Yeah. Um, and I, I just yeah I just, I just think it's it's great. And the other thing that I find is 
And I said, I really still get starstruck and I fan out over the people that I idolise and I've idolised for most of my life in skateboarding. But I actually get more of a thrill if a publisher publishes an unknown person yes. in, in, the, in the public domain mm. and ideally in a magazine because then it's in hard copy forever and a day. Yeah. But I, you know, everyone's seen photos of, of Jesse and Hasoi and Cab and I still love taking photographs of them, but for someone who's unknown to, to get published is just so good. Like, yeah. Um, yes. You know, and then, but, and, and if it's a really, if it's a spectacular photo, people are going, who the fuck's this? Like, yeah. And, yeah. And, what, what is this dude doing? And it's a bit like that um, when you hear Mike Vallely talking about when Lance and Neil Blender went to Virginia Beach and, Mike's thinking he's emulating what they're doing in California and and Lance and Neil are just freaking out over ho-hos and stuff because yeah. they've never seen them before. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I love is like if I photograph someone doing something that we think is like, oh, they're doing a trick and everyone else is just going, what the hell? Yeah. This is insane. Well, I, I, that's the thing I really loved about growing up in that era of magazines is... Because not everything, skateboarding was growing faster than the the media Do was. Documentation. Yeah. So you're dependent on magazines because the by the time the video hit, that's a year ago already. Like what? from the time we got it over here. So that those publications, those the magazines, you'd see one shot, and you're yeah. looking at it upside down, yeah. trying to figure out how did he get into that position. Yeah, yeah. And where is he going? Yeah. You know, like, so there was so much imagination in it yeah. and having to figure stuff out. And sometimes I really think that that led to the invention of tricks, yeah. you know, yes. because yeah. you know, you'd get it wrong. Yeah. And then, oh, but why? Yeah, different. I remember when um, the, the, the two tricks, that when they came out, was um, Ching Chinks and Bloods. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. And so you'd sort of hear, like, oh, yeah, such and such is trying a chink chink or or a blunt and you're staying. So what? You, you go up and you <laughs> you stall on on your wheels with the tail or the nose against yep. the transition of the coping mm. and then you ollie it back in and go fakey. Yes. And then with chink chinks, you go up, you go up fakey and you bump off the coping Rotate or, or pivot on your front yeah. truck, yeah, <laughs> and then and either go back fakey or go back regular. Yeah, just saying, what the fuck? Yeah, like, <laughs> no, it's how, who could even think of doing that? Yeah. It's sublime, and the communication of it as well is like you see one photo of it, unless it was a sequence shot, yeah. and that helped a little, but still, yeah, yeah, you'd still be scratching your head over mm. stuff like. I always that. remember the John Lucero trip tip. How to do frontside slappies on a curb? And it would be like, yeah. <laughs> my my one of my favourite ones was Nardis's, um No Comply right. um, trick tip, and um, he he just Nardis just being hilarious. Um, oh, yeah. Put in the the description, it was something about like you got to you got to repeat Afghanistan, but Anistan. 
um, yeah. like three times or something like that. It was one of the steps. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But all the, all those, yeah, that media back then. But, I mean, that's what's so great is is like what other what other individuals and whether you call them athletes or celebrities would just take the piss out of out of themselves and and out of everybody else. Yeah. In, in like a magazine, like could you imagine like a an a or a gridiron footballer or soccer player, you know, Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah. Banana pill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's the it's ridiculousness just... of it. I think it also comes from at some stage you realize that you're um, becoming an adult or you are an adult and you're playing with a child's toy. That, that That's what you're doing. And for me, anyway, I used to look at the skate shop and go, it's a toy store. Yeah, that's that's what they did. Yeah, I, 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 I think that's cool as well. And and um, again, I I um, I I just think it's so cool that I'm I'm a grandfather, but I still ride around on a silly wooden toy with wheels. And yeah. the other thing, the the most ridiculous thing is, I still get excited about stickers. Now I'm almost sixty years old, and I. I still, we're, I still were drew each shop yesterday. I drew, I drew on the industry room. I've had access to more stickers than, but I still go in. There's a bowl of stuff going through. It. Yeah, blow out it. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, I, I think that's, I think that's, I think that's brilliant. Like, yeah, like that's. I think I, I you know, and they they use that term so often. You know. You, you don't stop skateboarding because you get old. You get old because you stop skateboarding. Yeah. And I, I think I really hope I never lose that hunger and that excitement of um, of either going, like, when you smell grip tape or, or a brand stickers. new set of wheels Sticker or stickers. And, and I love what um, Nabs with um, Skeleton Key, he goes, and he was handing out some stickers to Cons and myself. And a few other people, he goes, smell it. Like, these are the pop and vinyl stickers. Like, you, you smell it. And he's like, look, I, I deliberately wanted to make these the OG stickers. And, and they've got that old school yeah. smell. And, and um, some of that smell was released. And you, you wouldn't know, know it unless you experienced these stickers. But when you peel the back off it, the, the smell gets stronger. Yes, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and that's, that's just so so cool if we can if we can keep doing that and if we can share that with maybe some of some of the new up and comers that don't don't have that experience that say this is this is what it's what it's about mm. or but this is not what it's about but this is what it was about for us yeah and the other thing that i i really love it it sort of scares me a little bit but but i love it is um leading up to like a big big event, be it Bolarava or what have you, or if I'm going to skate a skate park that I haven't been to before, so um, the North Ride Park, and I sort of heard about it like it's a really big kidney pool, and I'm driving there, and I start to get the butterflies in my, my oh, tummy yeah. and, and start to get tingling, just going, fuck, am I going to get a man up and am I going to be able to skate this or yeah. fuck if I bail, is it, is it going to hurt or what have you? But it's such a it's such a good feeling in that, like, I know I'm alive. And, and, yes, absolutely. Um, and even leading up, like, if I'm not going to skate, but I'm going to take photographs, it's like, 
fuck it, you know, am I am I going to get some really killer shots or you know what's it going to be like? And and it's just su such a it's an experience that you hopefully you can talk to people about and share, mm. but it's something that you experience and and I hope I never lose lose those sensations. Well, it's definitely for me anyway. Um, it's definitely a way of looking at the world, you know, mm. and those little things, like you're saying, getting excited about stickers and stuff like that. I know if I'm in a skate shop and I see that under the shrink wrap, there's a sticker there. I'm drawn towards that board before the one that doesn't have a sticker there, you know, and like, it's just like one of those little things that it, it just makes such, um, such a difference. And I remember being a kid and getting a new board and just studying every inch of that. Yes. Like having an interest in yeah. art helped, but studying every inch oh, of the yeah. graphics and and then like with the with the Caballero, um the the uh top of the dragon coming out of the box, the ones with the um, the bats as the oh, green print. Yeah, the button, and then realizing yeah. that the negative of, of yeah, that, the back prints were, were bones, so you know, incredible. like, yeah. What I, what I loved is, um, I think most people love the Rainbow Rodriguez graphics of the sword and stars. Oh, mm. But then when, when Tao came out with the cab dragon, oh, and it was sitting on the bearing. Yes. And it was just like, yeah, it's so cool. Like yes. because cabs... wasn't the first one came out without the bearing. No, no, the first one was with the bearing, was and it? they they just got oh, rid of the bearing. Oh, yeah. oh. And but it was just like, yeah, that's so cool because cabs a bit younger. Yep, and he's like the up and comer, and it's just like okay, that puts into perspective how little the dragon is. Yes, relative yeah. to it, and it's it's got that skate related in a center. And mm. um, but I always yeah. associated that. I was like, oh, they took the top. Pal, and they turned it this way, so it's not—it's not looking. Uh, the dragon isn't going to um, to the left anymore, like the head of the dragon. Yeah. They've just shifted it, so it's now facing you, kind of thing. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. Um, but those graphic for me, it was Tommy Guerrero's graphic, um, the sword and the flames, and yeah, that that I. I think I had three of those boards, which was a lot yeah. to have of those boards back then because a board would last like a year. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, the, yeah. yeah. And you could still get the same board a year later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the same graphic, yeah. the same shape, same everything. It might have had bone on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, like, yeah. With, so you must have an archive as far as yeah. Yeah, of, of your own stuff as well as other people that you you enjoy their work as far as magazines and stuff you've collected? Yeah, well, I've got, yeah, most of the magazines from from the 80s, 80s into the early 90s, and I pretty much haven't got rid of any, even some, a lot of the outtakes of films. So I've got mm. um, a storage um, container with, with the outtakes. Um, and I'm slowly, slowly scanning, scanning them up, um, and Aha and um, Aaron Brown will, will confirm that I've been talking about ages about doing doing a book. But that's um, I've sort of set myself a timeline to do get a coffee table book yeah. together, and really, really I want to use that as a stepping stone and a motivation 
that I, I'm, my ultimate goal is to to be an editor of hopefully the definitive history of Australian skateboarding. So I, I want to do it online, hopefully use my photographs as a stepping stone and a catalyst for people to start putting on an online medium their recollections of demos, people they skated with, mm. and then we have a non-partisan, um, if that's the right word, but, but an independent point of view of, of everyone's point of view on this is who were the up-and-coming skaters. These, this was the skate shop to go to. Yeah. These were the best places to go skating. This was the best demo. And, um, and that builds community in my imagination. Yeah, because but but I, I'd hate to see the history of, of Australian skateboarding get lost as because we're all getting older, so we're, mm. we're going to um, move on sometime down the track. But I think it's just, it's so diverse. Like like you said, don't I? Like we're, there's so many creatives in skateboarding. We look at the terrain differently um, and it's not recorded because we're we're pretty slack in what we do. We just live for the moment most of the time. Yeah. So I, I'd, I'd really like it to be, be recorded and not be biased as to the different companies that existed in different parts of Australia. Sure. And generally speaking, history's written by the conquerors of them. Um, and, and there's some uh, very influential individuals and companies that have existed that don't exist anymore. And I hate for those to disappear. So Koala being one, Righteous Skateboards, Burford Blanks, yes. Bonza, yep. Aussie Skates, all these great companies, even like Speed Wheels. And I'm sure there's, um, you know, even the the state wing and, and what have you. So just to get that recorded and then um, put there for posterity's sake. But I would love if we can do, if I can do that, I'll be involved in that, is the online version being able to be printed as, as a publication of some description. Yeah. Yeah. But I was, I was going to say with having an archive that great and, you know, doing a, a coffee table book, where do you start? Wait, um, because, I mean, let, let's assume you have, I don't know, 100 double-sided pages. I don't know how thick's a coffee table book. Right. I've got no idea. It can, yeah, it can be as big as what we Yeah. So it just depends how you want to refine it and how yeah. much you want to cover it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And the other thing too is you've got to sort of do it in a way that's palatable to the person that's where you don't want to make it too long and you think it's going to sit there forever. And Yeah. Yeah. So oh. I mean, I've corralled together a, um, a, a core group of confidants that I'm sending images to and I'm writing some stories mm-hmm. um, and also putting as much technical, not, not as much, but some technical detail. So the camera I used... Um, the film stock, if it was filmed back in the day, um, the exposures and those sorts of things. And yeah, I would really um, like um, the people that I photograph, be it the skaters. And I'm putting, my idea would be to have lifestyle photographs as well as skating images in there as well. So skating lifestyle photos. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would, I think it'd be nice to have the subjects in the photograph have a, a written passage on their views or their recollections of that moment in time. That'd be great. Yeah. But I've got the confidence 
uh, confidants to to look at the the images and and what I've written and give me some feedback if they think I'm heading in the right direction. But um, you know, and credit to Aha and, and Aaron Brown, they've sort of given me a kick in the backside and said, look, you've got to get in and do it. And Aaron Brown's um, produced two books already, um, one on skating and and one non-skating. But I mean, he's He's bitten the bullet and actually done it, whereas I've spoken about it for years and years mm-hmm. and never done it. But I, I'd like to do it um, while there's people still interested in it and yeah. use it as a, a catalyst to do that full history of Australian skateboarding. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. I, I think that would be so well received. And um, as far as the online, what you were talking about, would be so well received and give a lot of people a voice as well. Mm. Who grew up in smaller communities of skateboarding? Maybe they were a little, little bit out of the the capital cities. Maybe, yeah. um, maybe they just never ventured outside their neighbourhood. But yeah. I think it's, I think it's really important too. Is like with the, if there are the small areas and and again with the the power of the internet and and social media that they have a voice. But also to give credit to like oh if it wasn't for such and such a shop or even like um, the, the local news agency owner got a couple yeah. of skateboards in, or, or even got the magazines in. So you know, we we still have to ride away and, and buy our skateboards on like through the mail order. Mm. But at least we got the magazines, you know, and we knew what was going on, yeah, etc. Or you know, if it wasn't if it wasn't for Chad Ford with Speed Wheels, or if it wasn't for Fox with Skating Life. We wouldn't have known what was going on in in skateboarding. Absolutely, at the yeah. Time. So, and he would have known what was going on in the states, but the the local scene would have been largely overlooked by everybody. And I don't think because that was also a way of communicating when the demos were on, when when people were touring. Well, well, like music, that. like like again, exactly. if, it was, if it wasn't for Trans World, like with their like they, they introduced me to like. Um, the British band 999, Circle Jerks, um, even knowing the names of the bands. Yep. Um, and again, like Fox and Trevor King and those guys, Dave Mock, putting in some of the, the music, Australian music, that yes. wasn't mainstream. Yeah. Have, well, I'd have no idea. No, absolutely um, not. You'd be buying what, what was most appealing from the top 40. Yeah, yeah, like going. Oh well, this is kind of okay. Yeah. So the thing was back to you know sort of people copying tapes and all that sort of thing. In it. I think one of the first skateboard videos I ever saw was a video called Summer Sessions, which is by Shawbrook International, yeah. and that had TSOL change today. It was the soundtrack. Yeah, and they're touring this year too. Yeah, TSOL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know that was sort of you know we knew a little bit. You know we knew about Nick Cave, we knew about Devo, and that sort of yeah. thing. We didn't really gel, but once I'm like, oh my god, this stuff's it, amazing. But, so that was sort of our entry. You know, yeah, even then, like because you guys grew up in Sydney, so you had Double J and Triple J. Yeah, yeah. but even like Canberra, we we only had like three or four radio stations to listen to, and they were all like. You know, Sunshine FM and, yes. and just like your mainstream yes. stuff. Yes. And there was none of this like streaming yes. music through the internet. Like, yeah, well, the internet there was no internet. There, there was no yeah. internet, so you really, um, it depended on what music your mates had and and getting those those tapes. Um, yeah, I, think. I remember um, it was actually a girl from Canberra 
um, made me a mixtape um, and and gave it to me. And I there was there were songs on there that I had never heard, and she listed all the artists. Yeah. So it made me go out, go into what I think it went into Red Eye Records after she made me this mixtape. And uh, went into Red Eye Records and had had my list of yeah. artists because there was only one track from each of these yeah, artists yeah. on there. So going through and going, oh, that's their record, that's their album, you know, like, and yeah, putting me onto a lot of bands just from that one mixtape. But yeah, and again, Cam- Canberra's an influence on. Uh, well, yeah. yeah. Well, Can- Canberra had a really good um, record shop. It's called Impact Records, mm-hmm. and uh, I think I think there's a one or two. Record stop shops in Sydney that were the same, yeah. but you you would go like they um, uh, impact important records as well. Yes, um, so you knew like you go to see the bands or like that you knew. Yep, or the label that the band recorded on. Yes, but they would also write little narratives with yes lesser known bands. They go, oh, if you. If you like, like if you like Dead Kennedy, or if you, if you like um, Joy Division, you might yeah. like you might like this. This is a, a little bit the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we we had uh, Waterfront and Phantom. With yeah, yeah. Really, yeah. You know, yeah. Because yeah, Waterfront used to always have these awesome with yeah, drawing the text up. Yes, yes. JB Hi-Fi try and do that. They have their um their their team members picks. Yes. Oh, for, um, um, yes. Yeah. I've seen that a couple of times. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a somebody at JB Hi-Fi used to work at one, or you used to at the very least go into one of those record stores so, yeah. that had that sort of yep. yeah on on the sleeve communication yes. going on yes. and recommendation. But I mean, again, not harping like back in the day. But I mean, the out certainly for myself, and when I was um, courting um, my now wife, so she lived in Canberra and I lived out of Richmond in West Sydney. So we would alternate travelling um, one way to catch up with each other and spend the weekend and then travel back to our respective areas. So during the week, while working, I would do mixtapes, so we had music to listen to. Yeah, but I'm just thinking of the number of hours I would have spent recording and then writing every band name and and the track. But it was it was a really good way of like we'd almost connect, even though we weren't together. Because yeah. then and then again, like pre mobile phone and even like pay phones, like paying like bloody copious quantities of money to talk to each other mm. interstate. Yeah, but um. We, we she would connect with me and she go oh like, I really love that that tape you just did did and I like side A more than side B and yeah. and this that and the next thing and it was just a really cool way to be like oh, this is it was like okay well, I won't I won't put too much dreamy sort of music on because she's driving so yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah. want her to fall asleep and yeah. you know I know she doesn't really like the, the really hardcore you know ragey punk music but it's more like this so it's really you know what it almost curating a music music track for her to go between canberra and sydney yeah um, yeah but it's really nice to get the which shows you can because you're not you're not making a tape for you to listen to you're making it on what you think that person you know like that level of consideration going i think they like that like yeah. not not just because well I like it. Yeah. Why don't you like it? 
But again, I, I, I would now, if I hear a tune that used to get played a lot at skate sessions, it takes me back like yeah. to like even like the late seventies or yes. mid eighties. It's just like, oh, I can remember like that session or yes. Um, and some of the characters. And I remember when I first started working at Monster Skate Park, they had these kick-ass stereo, brand new, and they got amplifiers. And, uh, and my whole thing was just to sort of make music that had all the songs, really, the skate soundtrack. Yeah, and yeah. You'd get all these older dads coming, oh, I remember. There's a few people who have done it on, on Spotify. Yes. Like, skipping right into the future but they've done so from um like the skate videos yeah so you can find someone's made a playlist yep. in order yes of like the future primitive soundtrack right or or like yep. the animal chin soundtrack or or wheels of fire yeah or, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah well this I, I listened to um so just recently a public radio station in Brisbane did an interview with um, Andrew McKenzie, who ran, owned Koala Skateboards. Yeah. And um, he's, um, yeah, a Brisbane skate icon, but um, also a music icon for alternative music. And um, so the, the, the lady that was interviewing her was talking about, um, and Andrew was talking, but also playing some of his favourite tunes. And she made the comment that um, she was playing was playing some music, and her son was like singing along to it. She goes, "How do you know this?" He's go, "Oh, this is on the Tony Hawk um, soundtrack to the yeah. Tony Hawk." Yeah, and yeah. here we go. Yeah. And they were talking about how how influential those soundtracks are to even the newer culture, mm. and even though the bands may not have got great royalties out of having their songs on the Tony Hawk game. It was exposure. The, the exposure and then mm -hmm. the sales and, and um, popularity of that band due to that. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, again, um, I mean, everyone knows who Tony Hawk is, but I think his influence um, with modern society is just... I think I mean, skateboarding's influence on on throughout the, the decades that I've been skating... Um, I couldn't help but see what we were into as skaters, whether it be music, uh, fashion, haircuts, that being reflected and the rest of, you know, like the rest of society kind of catching up with it like six months later or something like that. And a lot of the time we'd already moved on, yeah. but yeah. Even, well, I mean, I was fortunate after after my career in the defence force, I somehow moved sideways um, working in, in the art sector, so I worked in the National Gallery. And seeing what were the trends in art in national and state institutions and then seeing what skateboarders were producing of their own volition art-wise right. was quite often ahead of what the mainstream art movement was doing. So yeah. be, it, be it fashion, yeah, music. Exactly. Um, even potentially architecture. Um, and the influence, I think mm -hmm. skateboarders are having some influence on, on um, and I think they call it hardscaping, yes. 
um, and and art. Like you know, yeah. we've got to get a few more uh, sleeper agents into these. Uh, oh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It looked like <clears throat> I think uh, as far as architecture goes, I definitely notice a, a, a rapid decline or dead stop to people putting embankments or mm. any kind of transition yes. into the foyers of buildings <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. or, or the plazas, you know. <laughs> it was like, no, let's just go hard. Yes. Yeah. I remember skating the uh, high court building sort of uh, just up the top of um, Martin Place there. Oh, yeah. In the yeah. yeah, the security guards used to come down with like full SLR, SLR yeah. cameras with flashes, and they'd be taking photos of us, and yeah. like because we're skating with brick banks yeah. out the front. Yeah. Well, even in skating life, like back back in the day, that, that I think Dave Mock took photographs of um, some of the Sydney state skating the Opera House, so that yes, there's like banks yeah, of the banks yeah, up on yeah, the yeah. I mean, in, yeah, that'll be unheard of. Yeah, you know, I would assume that they're they're still there, those banks. Yeah, but yeah, I don't think you'd get very close to stating uh, stating them now. But the other area as well, like I think state borders were way ahead as far as um body art goes too. Like yeah, like, tattoos. Like absolutely, it's sort of the first people I always remember. You know, outside of bikies and sailors. Yeah. Yeah, the Godoys, um, Jason and Jesse were certainly, yeah, um, maybe the sort of rock, punk rock scene and that sort of thing. So mm -hmm. Yeah, sailors, punk rockers, skaters. Yep. Uh, <laughs> oh, bikey. Got yeah, yeah, yeah. to the sleep and make you a latte. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, there's there's grandmothers getting that's it. It's now. Um, it's incredible. But yeah, I definitely think like. A lot of these industries um, have, a, at the very least, borrowed from skateboarding. Mm. Um, like you were saying about architecturally, the, I mean, you look at like the skateboard course, like in the the Olympics or at a major event, like whether it be due to um, street league, whatever. That is so pleasant. To, to look at like your your eyes are just like oh it just makes me happy to look at it you know whether it's symmetry or whether it's you know just the curves um yeah i definitely think that influence needs to to go into architecture again yeah especially in the foyers of buildings or maybe just their car parks <laughs> but um people like to pay more attention what they do in their showrooms so. yeah yeah direction Exactly, exactly. But I think, um, I don't know. I, I'm just appreciative of falling into skateboarding, come, it coming into my life. Um, and, yeah, just everything has grown along the way, which which has led to sitting here with you guys chatting about skateboarding. Yeah, exactly. Well, but skateboarding and skateboarding in life, because I... I I don't really differentiate between, like, I don't put skateboarding isolated to who I am as a person that, and mm. my life. Mm. I think you said it right at the beginning that um, it's synonymous to it. Like, yeah. you fell into it and it's just become part of who you are. And I, I, I don't think I'll get into that debate, you know, is skateboarding a sport or is it a lifestyle? Is it? It's just, it's just part of the fabric of... I, I just tried to define it 
even from my own point of view, what I, what I think of skateboarding. And it, for me, is any way I try and put it, it doesn't come out right. It doesn't, it doesn't express how I actually feel because I don't think there's, there's words to sort of describe it. Um, mm. because it is just, it, it's in my DNA now. It's, it's what I do. It's not what I do. It's what I am. It's such a part of me that, that, um, I think culturally, like a lot of generations could have benefited from more involvement in skateboarding. Um, if it was bigger, you know, like for me, it was finding, first of all, <clears throat> community and an activity that I could do in a group of people and by myself, day, night, yeah. like it's raining. No problem. There's a, yeah. a couple of car park down the road. Like, and wherever you got a hard surface on the ground, you can, you can do it there. Mm. Um, which I don't know. I can't think of anything like it. I don't know if you guys can. People, people playing ha handball. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. But I, yeah. And I, I quite, now, and, now and again, I come across people like, oh, look, I've, I've only just started skateboarding or looking at it's okay if I can, you know, if I come along and skate, but I, you know, I, I don't skate very well. I skate too. I don't, I don't care whether you've only just stood on a board. If you're on, on a board and, and just balancing or you're ripping like, like Bucky or, or mm. Steve Cab, but the mere fact that you're doing it and enjoying it and giving it a go, yeah, that's better than someone talking about wanting to do it yeah. or sitting on the couch watching it. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong in watching it, but the, that you want to do it like, Strength to you, and yeah. you, you're part of part well, of the so brother, the, the brotherhood. The beginning of anything, you know, it's sort of yeah. Yeah, the golden three: get up, dress up, show up. Yeah, yeah. yeah as long as you do it, yeah. So, um, you're part of it. Yeah, and you know, and I, I think that's the great thing with skating as well, is most people will give props, and if someone's like starts faking on the bottom and does their first kick turn, everyone's like giving high fives and going, yes. you're ripping. Yeah. Or if if you're like blasting, like, like just doing insane tricks that no one's ever heard of before, obviously you get this beeping props. But it's just, it's all relative. And I think most, yeah. most people and most skaters just go, you're giving it a go and you're, you're pushing yourself. Well, it's the same level of enthusiasm, right? Because mm. if, you, if you're the guy doing... Huge airs, ollieing down huge stair sets, like flip in, flip out on the rails. You've still been that kid that's, you know, just ollied off or up a gutter, like for the first time, or done a kick turn at at the, the bottom 30 centimetres of the transition or the ramp. Like you, you've been there, so you're enthusiastic because A, you've been there, and B, you're stoked on their stoke, you know, because that person, that's the happiest that person is going to be yeah. all week. Like, mm. and it'll carry on, you know. Yeah. It'll pass on too. Yeah. And then again, that's what I love about um, skating with, if you're in your local skate environment and you have an out-of-towner, yep. and then they, they see your skate park, your skate terrain with a different set of eyes, yes. and you mm -hmm. see their lines and you just go, 
holy shit, I've, I've never thought of approaching it that way. Yes. Or how the hell did they do that? Yes. Yeah. I've never done that before. Office was the mask. Yeah. yeah. And it, that's, and that's what I just love about it. And I've got a similar, similar approach to, um, like I, um, look at other people's images and especially if, if there's other photographers at the same, same time or same event that I'm at and they've captured images of, of, of skaters differently to myself, I, I do get envious of it, but admire and just go, oh man, I've got to, I've got to look at it doing it that way. And, um, I noticed with the last Belco Bowl Jam, um, one of the photographers was using a, a slightly uh, more spherical fisheye lens mm -hmm. and it's sort of given me the impetus to look at what other lenses are available for my camera because it's just, oh, wow, that's another way of yeah. of recording it and photographing it and it just, it it's not better but it's, or it is better in a different way or it's a different way of looking at it. Yeah, maybe yeah. I'm getting a bit stale in using the same lens mm -hmm. and um, man, oh, yeah, I'd look at other people's images in admiration and and some level of jealousy, and go, man, I, I want to emulate them. And um, again, same with Dave. Back in the day, Dave Mike and Scott Needham and Dave Walsh, mm. and just like you know, you'd wait and get the film back and, and get stoked if you've got some good images. Yeah. But then you look at what your colleagues have done and just get you know admire what they're doing. Yeah, well. I guess the mate, probably the main thing that skateboarding gives to people is when you're out there and you're influenced by somebody and you're like. I'm going to give it a go, you know. There's mm. that DIY yeah. element where you've sort of learned off something yes. else or you've seen the way somebody else does it that's different to the way you... Mm. Yeah, it, you that is why it's you. you know, yeah. Oh, that's the seat, Chris. Yeah. And you just yeah. that journey. I think, and, you know, because it is, it's free-flowing, mm. everybody's... Yeah. ...puts their little twist on yeah. it. And, and then the, there are but, no rules. Yeah, and, exactly. And the interesting thing is, like when you're having a skate session with somebody, and and they they approach the terrain differently, or they they do a trick, and you go, "How the hell do they do that?" And and one person could do a trick just so easily, and then you try it, and it's just impossible. They going, "But how do you do? Yes, how do you do that?" Like, yeah. or you know, some people are like just the masters of switch or fake it. Yes, and then other people are like just. I'm not going backwards, not yelled at all. Yeah, yeah. Front side versus back side. Yeah. Or, um, you know, some people are like the lip trick kings and other people are like just going bio and yeah. heaps of air. It's just, that's what I love about it too. Like there's, it's so indiscriminate, it's non-discriminatory. It's just whatever floats your boat. Mm. And if you're enjoying it, yeah. that's, that's all that counts. Yeah. And everybody feeds off. Other people's enjoyment yeah, of it, yeah. and, and just passion for it, and you know, like yeah, that kid down there just made his first kickflip, and you know, yeah, it's like I learned them thirty years ago, but I'm still stoked, as stoked as that kid is. Yeah, yeah, yeah such a. I mean, similarly, again, like sometimes you 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 jump on someone else's board, and you just go, oh, dude, I've I've got to set up my board like that, or you step on someone else's board, and you just go. How the hell can you skate? <laughs> yeah. How can you skate? Well, I sat like I jump on Billy Harrison's board, mm. and it, and it's like so damn tight. It's like how do you even get around a corner on that thing? Yeah. Like, like I've just got to tic tac around the corner. <laughs> I can't. There's no way I can carve on that. Yeah. And then you jump on someone else's board, and you go like, dude, I'm, I'm going to get death wobbles just 
dropping down like a three foot yeah, three yeah. foot tranny because you know it's like day one songs or that there's no bushings yeah. in, the denim, yes. in the denim trunk yes. and you just look at like dude how, how does day one song like but it, i think only like that's where it comes to whatever works for you yeah you know? but that's and it's what's so cool it's, it's all fine yeah, it's it's all perfectly acceptable. hundred percent. You want to put four trucks on a skateboard? Yep. Like, yeah, what go about, for it. Man, it doesn't happen in cars and that sort of thing. You don't see people... Well, Formula One thing, guy. Could you oh, oh, imagine yeah. motor the steering wheel and just put a pair of vice grips on and that's how I'm going to steer you? Yeah, yeah, that's it. But that's what's, what's so cool, too, is like, if you look at like Formula One where it's so... So governed and so regimented, and and like the tolerances are yeah so specific. And skateboarding, it's like, don't like just turn up with a plank of wood and yep yeah roll it like cut a pair of roller skates in half. And and if you're ribbing, you're you're ribbing yeah. And, and and if you've got like a high tech NASA designed carbon fiber bloody titanium skyship, yep. And you're ripping well. In, Good on you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It just doesn't matter. It's it's so accepting um, mm. um, as as a community, as an activity, as whatever however you want to define it, mm. it is definitely I think just the best thing anybody can get involved with um, mm. in their lifetime. Um, just for, for all the reasons we've mentioned over the last however long it's been. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so what's, what's ahead for Dave Payne? We, we touched on the, um, yeah, do the book, yeah. still take photos. Um, you know, there's a few things in the pipeline, so you can update a demo as, as the podcast evolves. I definitely, but there's always, there's always something happening. Yeah, in 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 that in the pang domain. Nice. Yeah. How about you, Ah? Uh, ah, uh, but I'm just going to try and age gracefully. Yeah. There's there's that. Keep, try and keep well. If you're still skateboarding, you're going to be aging gracefully. Yeah, yeah exactly. We yeah. yeah. if you feel yourself conscious, we can do a filter. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cat. <laughs> or if you give me a, a, a photo of you, young girl. All right. I could just paste it over the top to be like, I think. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks so much for the chat. And, um, yeah. It's all been awesome. It's been good. Yeah. And sure we'll have a roll together really soon. Excellent. Thanks, guys.